Welcome to Learning with Lisa, Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast with Lisa Navarra, award-winning educator, consultant, behavior specialist, author, and parent. This podcast provides support for school leaders, educators, and parents. We share and discuss evidence-based resources that are embedded in social and emotional learning to meet the needs of students who struggle focusing and learning. Teachers and parents find information and strategies to improve students' academic, behavioral, and social-emotional performance. It's time to turn kids from I can't into I can. Welcome to Student Success Beyond Expectations. Do you wonder how you can help your child or your student really believe in their ability to communicate with one another? Or are you looking to get your students to communicate and listen with one another on a deeper level rather than just surface or kind of looking out in the distance and not really processing what they're saying? Well, here we bring Ivy Myers. She has a wealth of experience and passion for this area within speech and learning. She's certified as a speech and language pathologist. We can't wait to hear from you, Ivy. Hi, how are you? (laughs) We're doing great. So I know that you have been so passionate with really building the skills within children to be able to communicate with one another. Can you talk to us about how important that is? Sure. So communication just in general is the key to success, right? You you need to be an effective communicator to let your feelings be known, to let your wants be known, and to be able to interact with people on just a basic level. So within um, my therapy room, I really put a focus on establishing those basic communication skills, eye contact, good listening, words of kindness, and just being able to express our needs and, and listen to our peers or friends. When you say words of kindness, what does that mean? When, when you work with your students, do you teach them? Does it come out innately? How do, how do you get to these words of kindness? So it's really a little bit of both. Um, But what I really try and teach in my therapy room is the compassion we have for each other, as well as just lifting somebody up and, and being able to expand our vocabulary and our social skills and our listening just to the most basic forms of language so that that you're showing that you care, right, by by both verbal and nonverbal communication. Do you find that students are open to it? Do you ever find resistance or they just don't really understand what it is that you're trying to teach them, like through lack of experience maybe or or otherwise? So we, right off the bat, I always try and establish routines. We always start off just a little bit with a welcome. Tell me about your day. Tell me about your night last night. Are you happy about something? Are you upset about something? Which just the goal is to build into just, spontaneous conversation, as well as, you know, being able to complete the tasks in therapy by forming our sentences, using our vocabulary, and taking these learned skills from therapeutic activities to spontaneous conversational speech. So when you say spontaneous speech, can you give us an example of that? Sure. Conversation, being able to comment effectively on your surroundings, being able to um, 
engage in a discussion regarding a specific topic while staying on the area of discussion, while being able to respond effectively to questions, and just being able to engage naturally. Communication is a very natural process. There shouldn't be um, that many barriers that, have, that prevent us from really being able to say what's on our mind and being able to understand what our listeners are saying. At times, we, we need therapy to help us overcome some of those barriers. And do you have a favorite go-to to help with those barriers? I have a ton of therapy materials, right? Yeah, share. Whether, share. <laughs> whether they're games, whether they're computer programs, whether they are worksheets. I like to give a lot of worksheets out because we have a speech and language notebook and I put the worksheets in the book for home practice and that we can look back and say, oh, remember this or this was a great activity and this was a lot of fun and, and so forth and so on. Now you mentioned home practice. Do you have regular communication with the parents of your, your students? And how does that look like? So I have a communication notebook where it, I try most, most of my students are twice a week sessions. Some are once a week. Um, I usually try at least once a week to add some materials into their notebooks. Their notebooks are supposed to go home with them on speech days for practice. And like everything else, you know, there are days I give just a little bit of homework. I'm not a big homework believer for speech, but I'll give just a few questions and, and you know, sometimes they'll be done and sometimes other obligations come in the way. But we try to, I try to um, really reinforce practice at home. And do you find that parents come to you during maybe meet the teacher or with concerns? And then after a while, they say, I see some improvements. And what does that look like? So I have had a bunch of parents that have come to me. We discuss, you know, the, the goals that are on the IEP and how we're tackling these goals and how we're going forward with these goals. And I always feel it's very important to have like a progression in your therapy. So if it was an articulation student, first you're starting with single words and then you're going to phrases and then you're going to sentences and then you're going to connected speech so that there's a progression and a hierarchy of knowing where your skills are. Same thing with language. If it's a child with uh, expressive or receptive language delay, and we're working on questions, we're starting with basic who, what, where, and then we're going into the higher level, more advanced when, why, how, that requires a little bit more um, inferencing as well as processing, as well as just higher, higher level language to respond to those questions. How does a teacher know when there's a real language delay and when to be concerned? So um, a lot of times my teachers will, will approach me with difficulty reading a text, difficulty comprehending what's in the text, difficulty formulating sentences. That would be the language portion. For speech or, or stuttering or disfluency, they're having a hard time actually communicating the message and the teacher is having a hard time understanding what they're trying to say, or they're seeing some struggle and tension with a fluency student, um, a student with fluency concerns. So that will automatically, you know, raise that red flag to hopefully, you know, pull the student for a screening or a discussion to get a heads up on where their language and speech falls. I believe that, it, and tell me if you agree or not, that when it, there's an articulation or a fluency um, delay, it's easier for educators to be able to identify that. 
Do you find that it's harder to identify when a child is having difficulty with comprehension that's related to a speech need? Well, so when you have a child who stutters or a child with an articulation deficit where it is so pronounced, it's evident in their speech. Just in, So it is more apparent because you're hearing it as opposed to really, you know, if, you're, if you have a child with comprehension, some difficulties, sometimes it, it can, you know, you if they're reading the text and then they're having a hard time responding to the question, sometimes we naturally as teachers will make the question a little bit easier or rephrase it. So you might not get a good grasp on where exactly that comprehension disorder lies. Right. So that's something that as us educators, as well as parents listening to really keep that in mind as the comprehension piece can be indicative of as, as a skill really in speech. And to really, you know, keep that on the radar because it's not always the way we sound. Absolutely. Literacy skills, comprehension, they really go hand in hand with speech and language processing disorders. Is that why so many children who uh, are found to have a learning disability also have speech? It could be. Absolutely. It's definitely connected. Fantastic. And you also said inferencing. Now, I know as a classroom teacher, I know as a behavior specialist, Inferencing for so many different reasons seems to be very difficult to teach as that higher order thinking skill. Tell us and just talk to us about what inferencing looks like in your therapy room and maybe some strategies and suggestions that you might have. Absolutely. So with the with my inferencing, right, you have to take your background knowledge and what you know already and really imply it to the question that's being asked. So I usually start off with um, tasks that will zone in on things or activities that children may be familiar with. So for example, I'm looking out the window today, My sky, the sky looks dark. I'm going to put on my raincoat. What might happen? Just basic level inferencing. And then we take that to the next level by reading passages or paragraphs or short stories and predicting what will happen next and what comes next and what's a great idea that might follow um, a logical order while we're working on those WH questions. And that's also part of organizing your thoughts too. Absolutely. Executive functioning, putting it, there you go. Yes, I was just going to say, you go. All right. That higher level language that really, you know, and and as the students go through the grades, right, first, second, third, as they become in the more um, intermediate grades, then we're working more on the inferencing skills and the higher levels and the idioms and the figurative language. Yes. I know kids get so excited when they finally get something that they feel like I got it. Finally, light bulb, light bulb goes on. I've got the skill. And because you're going around in the classrooms and in the hallways, you probably see a lot of your kids walking around, right? Absolutely. Do and they, do they stop you? All day long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where are you going? How's your day? We're like in the middle of the hall. Absolutely. Communication. <laughs> I'm speaking and talking all day long. <laughs> <laughs> and do they stop you during those times and say, I've got it? Do they like share their success? I mean, what, you know, what'll be funny is like, I, I have, you know, if we're working on idioms, I'll see sometimes a student in the hall and they'll be like, Mrs. Myers, 
it's raining cats and dogs outside and they'll show me that they're using some of their learned skills. And yes. just and my younger students, it's just like what we started off initially, that basic communication, greeting somebody, saying hello. You know, if I, I give out breakfast sometimes in the morning, so the requesting, the formulating, the longer sentences or the longer questions so that they're using their language to get what they want. Well, they're very fortunate to have you because you're very, very enthusiastic about what it is that you do, we could tell. Yes, I love my job <laughs> and my profession, for sure. Well, you're making a difference. And not only are you making a difference in your speech room for those particular areas, but you've extended yourself. You've extended yourself in social groups, right? Yes, yes. So I run a before school social skills group where we work on a lot of what we have already discussed, sharing emotions, sharing feelings, turn taking, kindness, interacting with others, um, learning how to use our language effectively, greeting somebody, sharing if we're not so happy about something or if we're upset about something, and also sharing when we're thrilled or ecstatic or excited about something and really using our language in that social context. Are they excited to come? Do you have a lot of students who want to join up for this? Yes. So especially in the earlier grades, speech is very popular. <laughs> Everybody wants to come to speech. <laughs> I went to speech. I, I loved it. I got my pretzel rods as a as as a reward for my R's. I think. <laughs> yes, and then as a, you know, as they get older, it it might not be as appealing. But I definitely have my social skills group is geared towards the younger kids, and I definitely have a bunch that would like to participate. What made you get into speech and language pathology? So very interesting, even though it has nothing to do with students, both my grandfathers, one had cancer of his, in his throat of his larynx, and one had a stroke and was unable to communicate. So at this approximately the same time, both of them were being seen by speech language pathologists. And I just thought it was a, an amazing field to go into. Wow. So it's from your experience. There's a lot of talk about transitions, a lot of talk about careers and really preparing students for that. And uh, do you ever talk about your story to your students? I have, I have, especially with some of my older students. I don't get into the the real knit and grit of, you know, sure. oh, well, my grandfather had a stroke and this, right. you know, but, but just that it affected my family and, and I saw a speech pathologist was able to help. And, um, you know, I just often talk about my career and how versatile it is, right? You can do yes. private practice and you can work in a school and you can work at, um, you an independent contractor and you could do only evaluations or therapy or social skills groups and all the different populations of students you can work with as well and adults too absolutely so you're providing therapy you're providing enrichment and inspiration all these things all wrapped I love up that in <laughs> therapy enrichment inspiration I'm writing that on my door yes d t e i yes <laughs> something we all really need to engage in and all comes down to communication absolutely about, right yeah being how an effective communicator is is you know going to help with every aspect with with job skills with work skills with school skills with interpersonal abilities tell us about how educators and other related service providers can collaboratively work with the speech and language pathologist in their school? 
I really have such nice relationships with all my teachers. And what we do is I try and take what they're, what the teachers have to tell me about the students zoning in on the individual needs and bringing that into my therapy room and using some strategies, you know, whether it be a, a deep breathing for someone who has fluency concerns or anxiety or um, relaxation exercises and bring them into my therapy room. And then again, just try to teach some of the teachers or, or try to work with some of the teachers strategies that I use that might help with responding to questions, producing sounds. And it really is such a nice, you know, when I have a student who has trouble with the sound and, and they get it and I show it to the teacher and then they practice it during their activities, it really works, you know, so nicely hand in hand. If there was one skill or strategy, even concept that you wish everyone who worked or parented a child could do, well, could know, what would that be? It's really just being that active listener. Active listening. And active listening and really paying attention, maintaining that eye contact and just showing that you're an effective communicator. <clears throat> so slowing down, sometimes we all need to slow down to be able to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it you know, it. nobody wants to speak to somebody who's not giving them attention or, or looking at them and, and showing them eye contact shows what you have to say is important to me and I'm listening. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're important. If you could see yourself doing something in a few years from now, speech related, what would it be? Would it be the same what you're doing now? Or do you have a want or a need that you'd like to fulfill? I mean, I love what I'm doing now. I'm really very content and very happy. I just, every year I try, um, and especially with COVID, to bring a little bit more SEL into the speech, thing, speech language therapy room so that it's not just, here's a worksheet, let's do it in a drill and an activity that it really is zoning in on those social emotional skills. Can you give us an example? Does any come to mind? <sighs> sure. So, um, Every year I order new materials. So this year, a lot of my materials have been based on um, a game. What would you do? What do you think? Where we're zoning in on school-based problems, where it's school-based problems that come about and it's in a game situation. Um, WH questions that really reflect on a student's background or a student tell me about yourself what makes you happy where do you like to go so that I'm finding out more about my students to use that learning and that education to plan my therapy materials and they're excited to share so they're talking yeah, more they are they love <laughs> I love they love coming in and telling me about their weekend about their days for sure that's really, it's fun. It sounds like you have a really fun job when it comes down to just working right with the kids. It's not work. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's not work. I work. <laughs> of course. Work. It is a lot of fun. Yes, the whole paperwork, we could probably do a whole other podcast episode on. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, Ivy, if there's anything else, oh, I also wanted to ask you about visuals. Okay. How important are visuals in your practice? So really any cues, whether it be visual, auditory, they are very important, right? Because they're, they're helping the students to understand the materials and to be able to use picture cues and, and be able to use um, 
visual planners and visual ideas to understand what's being presented to them. So if there was anything else that we um, would talk about tonight or any advice that you would like to give to our listeners, what would that be? Just keep talking, ask, ask about their day, ask about their work, ask about how their bus ride was. Just, just keep talking in those lines of communication open. It's so important. It builds, it builds vocabulary. It builds listening skills. It builds interpersonal skills. It's just all about effective communication. Ivy Myers, speech language pathologist. Thank you for providing therapy, enrichment, and inspiration to those who you serve. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Of course. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to the Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast, where school leaders, educators, and parents meet on behalf of children who struggle with learning. To bring workshops to your school or organization, contact Child Behavior Consulting and get started with resources available at childbehaviorconsulting.com, Amazon, and teacherspayteachers.com for ready-to-use resources and children's books. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember to review, subscribe, share, and give us a shout-out on social media.